This is Asia in Focus from Control Risks, the global specialist risk consultancy. Each episode of Asia in Focus brings you in-depth analysis and perspective from our experts in Asia Pacific on the issues that matter most to businesses. Hello, everyone. This is Angela Mancini, partner at Control Risks, and I head our Asia Pacific Markets Group. Delighted today to be talking about digital sovereignty and digital risk more broadly across Asia. This is an area where clients have been increasingly calling us for advice and support, thinking about all the information handling issues and technology regulation that they're seeing all related to data. It's an issue that's impacting not just technology platform companies, but really companies across any sector that are operating in any countries across Asia and is also impacting clients regardless of where they sit from a headquarters point of view. Digital sovereignty is disrupting our clients' digital strategies. How they thought they could operate around the world in in a single form and in a consistent shared services manner is now kind of going out the door as local regulations start to proliferate. We're seeing it impacting our clients' operational costs. We're seeing it impacting their resourcing needs. And in some cases, we're even seeing it have a strategic impact on their business. That was Jim Fitzsimmons, head of our digital risk practice for Asia Pacific. He brings to bear over 20 years of experience with cybersecurity and technology consulting, and we are delighted, Jim, to have you with us today to help us talk through some of these issues. Jim, let's turn to you and get right into it. A lot of issues that I hear you discussing about with our clients and that they're facing as it relates to their own regulators and their own headquarters involve the issue of what we call digital sovereignty. Can you just start by walking us through what is digital sovereignty? What does that mean in the corporate context for us here in Asia? Thanks, Angela. And, you know, as an idea, as a concept, um, I think it really primarily comes out of Europe, where it originally began with some of the GDPR regulations around personal information years ago. But what we've seen in the region is um, there's increasing regulations around how you handle information, how you acquire it, you know, how you transfer it. And then also parallel to that, but to some degree interrelated, are regulations around how you can use technology and what technology you can use in your environments. And so we approach this as an area of digital sovereignty. And what that is, basically, governments are looking at how technology is being used in their society, and they're looking at how information is being processed and transferred into their society, around their society, in some cases outside of their society. And they're becoming increasingly concerned around some of the security implications of that. It's really related to national security issues and national security concerns. And so what they've done is they've started to build, it varies as different countries across the region, but they're all moving towards building a regulatory framework to establish more control over the information that can circulate in their society and also control over the kind of technology that can be used. And that's driven by all the big sort of incidents we've seen around personal data theft or concerns around, you know, uh, cyber attacks on critical infrastructure. But why is this coming to us now? I mean, technology is not a new issue. And indeed, there's issues we're hearing a lot from clients right around artificial intelligence and chat GPT and the like. And that's not this necessarily. Why the uptick now in all of the concern and all of the hassle that companies are having as it relates to this issue of digital sovereignty? It's a good question. And how we look at it is think of this in three waves. The first wave was really around technology adoption. Uh, I think really 
Um, I was living in China in the mid 2000s and I left, I guess, around 2012. But, you know, it was really in that latter part of the 2000s where you really started to see a huge upswing in technology adoption all across the region, primarily driven around mobility. But what that meant was you saw increasing use of the internet, increasing use of technology, you know, rolling out throughout enterprises and throughout society. And so this at that time was this wonderful positive thing that could really be seen as another means of of economic development. And it is, and it was. But with increasing technology also came increasing unanticipated risks. And I think we've really seen that start to crest where, if you recall last year in Australia, there were multiple high profile leaks of personal data in the millions of cases. We've seen similar cases in China. We've seen cases where telecom providers at a national level have been attacked and compromised. We've seen reports around critical infrastructure being a target for attack all around the world. So that first wave of technology led to the second wave, which is really around technology risks and cybersecurity problems. Now, when policymakers not only in the region, but all around the world, when they start to look at that and they see this issue around cybersecurity, they do what policymakers always do. They start to introduce regulations and laws to manage that risk. And that's what we're seeing now. And it's like maybe a a five to 10 year tail. But what we've seen is that technology adoption pace all across the region is really, really gathering steam. And it's becoming an increasing challenge for our clients as they have to look at it from multiple countries. Okay, so you're talking about the regulatory adoption finally catching up now to the technology adoption. We hear about that issue uh, in the headlines, at least, primarily as it relates to China and North Asia. Is it really mainly just a China story, or are you seeing this issue playing out across Asia more broadly? It's across the whole region. Countries and policymakers in these countries are all having an increasing awareness of the kinds of cybersecurity risks they're facing at a societal level. So, In Australia, we see the SOCI regulations, which is really around critical infrastructure and and maintaining security for personal data. Singapore already has its Cybersecurity Act, which has been in place for four, five, six years now. India is about to release a new updated privacy law. Thailand has a privacy and security law. Vietnam just released its draft decree around protecting personal information. Japan has just recently updated its, its regulations. Taiwan is developing new critical infrastructure security regulations. So all across the region, everyone is introducing these new regulations. And it's something that, again, that's where our clients are beginning to, to be challenged by it because it's not just one country. It's proliferating everywhere and it's becoming an increasing challenge for companies to manage. So what's the impact of that? I mean, just as you outline that, it's a, a laundry list of countries with regulations. And of course, they're not all going to be the same. That's going to be a challenge for companies, as we know. Can you talk us through in a little bit more detail, specifically, what's the impact to, you know, an organization trying to operate here in the region facing these issues? Take all the regional stuff and set it aside for a moment and think about how large global organizations operate. And these are many of our clients, but not all of them. But large organizations years ago came up with an approach for delivering technology services and and many other corporate functions like compliance, legal, and things like that from a centralized structure, what was called a shared services model, where you have a single corporate function, be it technology or legal, and that supported the delivery of those services for the enterprise all around the world. So you could be operating in Timbuktu, you could be operating in Tokyo. And the if you're part of the same company, your laptop would be the same, you're using the same kind of tools and the same kind of systems. 
And that was really an approach that built in a lot of efficiency. It allowed, you know, for consistency and especially, you know, from a cybersecurity perspective, it allowed, you know, a much more stronger and centralized risk management program. That structure, though, doesn't work very well when you have all these countries that have their own different requirements. Because what we've seen is that many of these regulations, like take privacy, for example, which is probably the most commonplace um, you know, regulation that our clients are, are managing. In many cases, they're all embrace similar principles. And so broadly, they're maybe you know, 70, 80% the same. But that 20 to 30% difference from country to country is actually incredibly challenging to manage because that could have a requirement for data privacy officers. It could have a requirement for certain storage requirements. You may not be able to transfer that information as freely in, like in Singapore, you can transfer the information relatively without, uh, with little impact. But in a place like China, it becomes much more complicated. And in a place like India, it's even more vague. So these things become very, very hard when you have different requirements from different countries and you have a central sort of monolithic structure to deliver technology services and legal and compliance. So what we've seen our clients struggle is perhaps maybe too strong a word, but the challenge that our clients are really working with now is how do we adjust and how do we adapt where we can recognize what the local requirements are? We have the flexibility to adapt at a local level to make sure we meet our compliance requirements, but also we can kind of maintain some degree of, of centralization and some degree of consistency across our services. And that's not a very, very easy thing to do. So you're describing quite a challenge at the corporate level. Talk us through then how that would impact supply chains as well, how companies have to think about their supply chains, because I would imagine that the compliance requirements and the operational challenges as it relates to data don't just stop at where the corporation is, but don't they have obligations right through their supply chain? You're exactly right. And, and when we think about supply chain in this context, think of it very, very broadly around the hardware that you may use, the software that you may use, and increasingly in today's world, the cloud services that you may use. This is this aspect where, again, governments are regulating where information can go. Can it go into your Office 365 cloud environment? Or can you put it on your Alley cloud server in China? Can you, um, you know, transfer personal data out of India to a country like Kazakhstan or something like that? It becomes increasingly a challenge because you have all these different localized requirements that are saying you can use this technology, but you can't use this technology. You can put data here, but you can't put data there. And even, you know, we see it extending into, especially in the security space, what kind of tools that you may use and you may be able to, to deploy, which again, for a large, you know, centralized global enterprise, it becomes very, very difficult to say, okay, well, in this country, I'll use this kind of firewall, but in that country, I'll use that kind of firewall. It's a bit of an extreme example, but that's certainly where things are going. And the areas where we see it being most prevalent are in what we consider, you know, what is broadly known as critical infrastructure finance, telecoms, energy, water, things like that, where those services are systemically important to an economy. That's where the governments are really starting to drill down and starting to drive very, very specific requirements that is challenging our clients. So what you're describing, in a way, you can make an analogy to some of the other um, compliance issues companies are facing and geopolitical issues, wherein it used to be so easy, <laughs> perhaps, to operate globally pretty seamlessly, to have centralized policies, to have centralized shared services, to be able to make money uh, in a reasonably straightforward way. And you're describing, 
a situation where it just becomes that much harder to make the same dollar that companies were making with using the same model and the same approach, both internally for their operations, but also externally, maybe as they're servicing their own clients and customers. Talk us through that. What does that mean for competitiveness for companies today? And what do you see going forward? And that's a really, really important way to think about these things. Because as you mentioned, these are primarily driven by these larger sort of geopolitical issues around national security and, and sort of social stability and, and maintaining, you know, systemic services. But what we've seen is that that drives the regulation and the regulation is having an impact on our clients. And how that impact manifests itself can be significant. Because you can imagine in some cases, if you have all these countries, if you're operating in, in many, many different countries, all with their own requirements, the compliance costs really quickly begin to add up. And you add to those compliance costs, maybe restrictions on information flows or requirements around technology. And that winds up with more spend. And you have to spend more time to, to source more different kinds of services and try to integrate those into your systems. So it becomes almost like a very much like a death of a thousand cuts from a financial perspective, where, you know, in the past, historically, all this all these technology um, solutions were really seen as saving money and improving productivity. But now because of these, this regulatory environment changing, it's actually the costs are starting to creep back up again. And, you know, that's at a very, very practical level, but you can see it at a larger level as well. You know, for some sectors, you know, perhaps some countries don't allow some internet services to come in there, right? Or some countries may not allow to have some cross-border e-commerce activities or services like that. And so what that does for, for organizations who have a business model that can be quite flexible and quite adaptable and quite technically driven, they might suddenly find that the roadblocks are being thrown up to them by regulators in such a way where it becomes a strategic question about what they can do. We have a client in the medical sciences space, uh, medtech space, that you know, they're looking at how they might be able to source some of the, some of the hardware that they might need for, for some of their critical markets given this changes around how that's being regulated now. So it's the issue is really just beginning, but it's beginning to become more and more acute depending on what you're doing and what kind of information you have. So I'm curious to get your take on the outlook going forward because as it relates to the broader, let's say, geopolitical environment, we do have some clients that say they're hopeful that um, different geopolitical relationships might stabilize and that, you know, also from a, you know, post-COVID perspective, some of the challenges we saw with supply chains and staffing and some of the taxation issues that have come on the back of COVID, you know, the thinking is that some of that may abate. Maybe that's too optimistic to think any of it will go back to what it was before. But this idea that what we're seeing now is getting complicated, but there might be a scenario where things calm down a bit and we get some more regulatory convergence and the like. Can you talk us through what you see going forward? Is Are we seeing the worst of it uh, or are we seeing, you know, things are going to get worse down the road? How, how can companies start to think about this? Think about it that we're at the end of the beginning and the next stage will be even more regulation, even more local country level regulation. When you think about what the issues are and what's at stake, misinformation campaigns that might go on social media is driving increasing regulation around content, increasing attacks by cyber criminals or possibly nation states on core infrastructure is, is increasing. And it's something that we're seeing an upward trend globally around that. That's not going away, right? So the primary means by which the policymakers want to achieve their goals around national security and, and protecting their economy and, and the systems is through this regulation. 
those regulations are only going to increase. Now, what can temper that a little bit is that not everyone is China or the United States where they have a, a certain market heft in some aspect of technology and they can kind of um, call the tune, if you will, to, to, to some of the, uh, the regulatory requirements. But that doesn't mean that all the countries in the region will continue to develop and expand their regulations because quite simply, the environment is not getting any safer, any more secure. And so regulation is the one thing that you can bank on is going to be increasing. So that's speaking to perhaps a, a large uptick in the size or remit, if not the size of compliance departments, I guess, uh, which might be good news or bad news for some of our listeners, depending on where they sit. But a uh, final question for you, I guess, then is how do how do companies think about gripping this? I mean, you, you know, we're describing a situation where regulations increasing probably given the geopolitical environment and other kind of business issues, it's only going to get uh, more intense. But we haven't even begun to talk about AI and chat GPT and the like, which is going to be the subject most likely of, an, of a different podcast. But how, you know, if you're sitting as a CEO or a general counsel or a head of risk, how do you think about practically putting some risk assessment and mitigation in place that can help you get across this so that you don't run afoul of regulations or anything else? You know, it's something that for the past few years, the increasing importance of a digital function in an organization and that aspect of, you know, it's a much overused phrase, but digital transformation, it really is central to the modern, sort of the modern enterprise, the modern multinational. And starting to develop a strategy that looks at what are sort of the inhibitors around some of these issues, but also how can this maybe possibly throw up some new opportunities is going to be central for the C-suite in the years ahead, particularly for those organizations that do operate across multiple countries and multiple regions, because the problem is increasingly complex. So first, you must know the landscape. Second, you must understand what your options are in terms of the cloud and technology services and technology provision. But also, you need to be a little bit more nimble and understand how your organization can be able to, to change and adapt at a local level while still maintaining that consistency and that corporate standards that are so central to having a successful organization. Okay, so to wrap up here, what I hear you saying is digital sovereignty is here to stay. We're just at, as you put it, the end of the beginning. And there is quite a lot to look at. You know, I think we've seen a lot of our clients call up and say, we're trying to get across our compliance risks in this space in this one market or these couple of markets or just ASEAN, but you're advising clients to say, take a step back, think regionally, if not globally around what is your actual digital footprint? What are the risks you're trying to solve for that may be coming up down the path and really just get across as common of a global policy as you can, but knowing there's going to be a lot of real localization at the individual country level. Sounds complicated, but it, to your point, it also sounds like there's some opportunities in there as well. And certainly opportunities in terms of thinking differently about how companies do what they do and how they, again, service their own clients, but operate internally. More to come. We're already looking forward to having you back on another podcast and talking about some of the newer developments like, as we mentioned, AI and ChatGPT and the like, and what that means for digital risk. But it just leaves it to me now to say thank you so much for the great discussion, Jim. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in. That's all for today's Asia in Focus. If you enjoyed this episode, please do subscribe to our podcast channel so you can get all new episodes just as soon as we record them. If you're looking for more of such analysis or insights from our experts, we've got them all across the globe in really all areas of risk. 
please do visit the Our Thinking section on the controlrisk.com website. So with that, thank you again, Jim, and we look forward to next time. If you enjoyed what you heard on this episode of Asia in Focus, be sure to subscribe and make sure to check out our other podcasts as well. All of our podcasts are available wherever you listen. Just search Control Risks. You can follow all of our analysis and find out how we're helping businesses build organizations that are secure, compliant, and resilient by visiting controlrisks.com.